This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Media. Elections! No, we're not talking about those elections. This is It Could Happen Here. We're talking about a bunch of other elections and how fucking terribly they went. I'm your host, Mia Wong, and with me is James Stout. Hi, Mia. I'm stoked. I do love a good election. It's great to vote for people. We are kind of talking about elections today, but the thing that we're actually talking about is... What has happened to the left since 2011? And anyone who was around 2011, 2013, and like any time after that, one of the arguments that you got constantly was, okay, so 2011, you have Occupy, you have the movement of the squares, you have these mass millions of people like assembling in squares and trying to do direct democratic stuff and, you know, figuring it out and making it work and it not working and, you know, all the complicated and messy things that happen when you have a real political movement. And- that entire time, there was an entire chorus of dipshits whose only line was, well, if you want to get serious about taking power, you have to get into electoral politics. And these people got their wish. And now, now we are uh, like almost a decade and a half out. I think I think we are finally in a position to objectively analyze how well this shit went. And <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> So join us as we uh, wander from disaster to apocal disaster and go over the wreckage of all of these very, very uh, once promising and inspiring social movements. Joy, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear yet another attempt at making the world better that in fact failed. Yeah. So, OK, th- there's actually two places we could start here. So I'm, I'm going to let you pick. Do you want to start with Sarsia or do you want to start with Podemos? Ah. <sighs> Let's start with Podemos. I do, I do enjoy a good Spain. Uh, I, I've just been reading about the the another round of exhumations today. So uh, I do love a country that uh, has baked <laughs> oh, into its constitution amnesty for people who did fucking mass ex. Like Spain has more mass graves than anywhere apart from uh, is it Rwanda or Cambodia? Cambodia, Cambodia is, is the only place yeah, I think that, that beats Spain from. Spain for mass graves. Jesus so, Christ. Not, yeah, a, a country which uh, I cannot say enough has not finished its civil war and remains a post-dictatorship and will until uh, it, it recovers, al- allows people whose fucking parents and grandparents were murdered in the street to uh, recover their remains and grieve for them. Sorry, I'm, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. No, no, this is good. Well, and I mean, and part, part of the context of this whole thing is that this is one of the underlying things that causes the enormous uprisings in Spain in 2011. They have one of the biggest, I mean, actually, literally, one of the reasons Occupy happens is that there are specific people who are in, like, actually, we've talked about to uh, Vicky Osterweil on the show about this. Like, she was in Catalonia when this stuff started. There's, there's like a million, like, there were individual squares where there were like a million people. Oh, yeah. I was in Catalonia when this stuff started. Yeah, and like, and that's one of the things that brought, that brings Occupy to the U.S. is people who were there for that being in the U.S. and like being yeah. in Zuccotti Park when Occupy started, and so you know they have 
they have one of the largest and most powerful like anti-austerity movements like anywhere in the world. It is very well organized. But one of the things that happens in this is very quickly there's an attempt to hijack this because people see the number of people who are in the streets. They see they see this as an opportunity to you know take electoral power. Right? This is the whole line is like we're we're, we're serious about taking power. Blah 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 blah. And Podemos in particular is influenced by like some of the people on earth who I hate the most. <laughs> they're 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 influenced by like like they deliberately call themselves post-marxist like left populist philosophers their their model is peronism it is a shit show it is a catastrophe (laughs) like every every single party who's ever tried their strategy of taking power has failed like left populism as an elect as as specifically like this kind of left populism as a strategy has a worse record for taking power in europe than left-wing military coups like it's that bad. <laughs> yeah. To be like, fair, left wing military coups rarely succeed at the ballot box, so they uh, sure, they use sure, other means. They're 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 a more effective way of getting into power than this this fucking left electoralism shit. So for people who don't really remember, Podemos was like the like them and Sarzio were like the thing in like like post sort of like post occupy like in in that moment of like these are the like the, the yeah. big like left like electoral successes. These are the things that are gonna gonna take power. Podemos specifically, so the, the 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 thing Podemos calls itself like their whole strategy is to build build what they call the electoral war machine. Their entire strategy is just to win elections. That's it. That's their whole thing. They're going to pull together a bunch of leftist groups. They're going to win elections. Do they ever win a single election? No, zero. <laughs> the entire time, it has been since the formation of Podemos. It has been what like. 13 years they have lost every single election in a row yeah. <laughs> they were in the uh they were in the sanchez coalition government with the Pasoia, yeah yeah but, well so yeah. this is this is the other interesting thing is that the, the thing the podemos is like thing right originally was well so I, they, they had this so, so, whole sort of one of the things that was very popular in the early 2010s was this whole like oh we'll have a political party but it'll like take like uh, it'll it'll take its policy from these direct democratic assemblies. Those assemblies never material. That was all a lie. Yeah. Anytime someone tells you that their political party is going to take its direction from like assemblies in the street, they're lying to you. They're trying to get you out of the street. Don't believe them. So that that was all the nonsense. But the the other big thing about about Podemos was that they were supposed to be like the big like third force in in Spanish politics, right? They they were yeah. going to be like the new force that was going to come in. They were going to wipe away all the corrupt politicians. And they specifically their big thing was that they refused to enter coalition governments. Now, for long. fast forward to <laughs> losing like six straight elections. And now, what, what is Podemos? Podemos is the permanent minority government uh, coalition partner with the the Spanish Socialist Party. And before you get excited about the Spanish Socialist Party, like, they suck. Like, they are And Pesari has done some base shit. I, I, I will always stand anyone who digs up Franco's rotting corpse and flies it across the country. <laughs> that does rip. But yeah, they're also, but, like, they're also mostly... Like they they're 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 also I mean they they've they've kind of been forced to go a bit to the left, like by Podemos and like by the sort of transformations that happened, but they're also just like a bunch of dealerable shits. Like they're like literally this is one of the parties that Podemos was formed to run out of power. And now yeah. they're just you know, they're just a permanent like minority coalition government. Um Pablo Iglesias, who was Podemos' like great political strategist, he was like he was like their guy. He was the guy he, he like wore cool yeah leather jackets and shit like he was the guy who was like in every <laughs> tell you what you profile. see a politician in a leather jacket you fucking run yeah you you, you run a mile <laughs> right. that is and peak dad's trying to look cool energy he he has retired from politics in just abject failure because nothing ever fucking worked um yeah. one of the one of one of the big things that you know one of the big recent things that potemos did was help the socialist party crush the massive wave of metal worker strikes that swept spain in 2011 and in, in uh, 2021 so great stuff happening there like they're you know they're not literally fascists and that's that's their selling point uh they they fucking lose every election and they yeah ran 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 the social movements into the ground yeah it's uh they literally had a thing didn't they like yeah, their their, man- their initial manifesto was like to convert indignation into political change. Or, like the movement that began the occupation of the squares in Spain was called the in- Indignazo Indignados in-, in Catalan or Spanish. <laughs> like their whole thing was yeah. like to channel this energy yep. into a process which is literally designed to stop shit changing. Yeah, 
And and you know, guess what? It didn't fucking change. They lost yeah, every yeah. election. They've never won an election. They're never going to win an election. Uh. Yeah, remain in the streets, my Spanish friends and Catalan friends and Basque friends and Galician friends and other friends in Iberia. Yeah. So, all right, moving on to so you know we talked about how Spain had one of the biggest uh, like movement of the squares type things. Greece, I think, technically gets the honor of having the first post two thousand eight uprising. Which was actually not an economic thing. It was uh, the cops like murdered a fucking kid, and yep. people just lit shit on fire. Like it was, it was fucking wild. It was. There, there, there's a quote about like those first protests that I, I always, I, I was thinking about in, in like the height of 2020 when I was watching that guy in the Elmo mask with the Molotov, like, <laughs> which is you know it, the, the that that those first protests. It was. Like people, it wasn't. It wasn't that people were trying. People weren't trying to build a political movement. They just wanted destruction because yeah, yeah, they were angry and they wanted to burn shit down. Abject, abject fury at the cops just murdering this child, um, and partially also they murdered this kid like in in Exarchia, which is like uh, Greece's anarchist like neighborhood. So yeah. terrible idea by the police. Terrible thing. Greece has repeated massive protests. One of the reasons they're having these protests is that Greece is forced to accept these like crippling austerity measures by the troika which is this group that was running the bailouts in europe composed of the international monetary fund the european central bank and the european commission which is basically the executive branch of the european union with reps from all of the eu countries and the product of this is that the the only faction that ever actually mattered in the troika was just germany effectively what was happening was germany was imposing like a bunch of economic sanctions on yeah, this is when like the European Union became like what Germany says we do, especially yeah. with regard to this stuff. In the context of these massive protests, Greece elects Syriza, which is supposedly this left wing party that is going to, you know, the, the, specifically the mandate they were handed was stop the austerity. And literally, they, they are in negotiations with the Troika. They have a plan in hand to tell the Troika to fuck off. And for Greece to leave the European Union, to set up capital controls, to start like, you know, this is a process that would have like the only way this could have functioned is they start, you know, they start literally like seizing property from like a bunch of fucking yacht owners. And instead of doing that, literally at the last second with the plan in hand at the negotiating table, Syriza folds. Instead, they cut a deal with the Troika. They impose literally the exact same austerity measures they were put in power to stop. And... Then, you know, now now having done this, they're now facing their own giant anti-austerity protests. And the the thing that Syriza does is ally with the riot police, who by the way, one of the thing, one of the one of the ways that Syriza got people to support them was specifically by running on basically completely rebuilding the Greek police force because Greece's police force Oh yeah, is fuck me. Just straight up a bunch of Nazis. And and when I say yeah. that, I I literally they they vote. I think it's ninety seven percent of their members voted for the Golden Dawn, which is like the Greek neo Nazi party. Yeah, and like yeah, so it, many of these people vote for the Golden Dawn that they can be considered like a significant part of the total of of the Golden Dawn's base. Yeah, and perhaps more importantly of of its like street fighting element that yeah that kills anti fascists. Right, those guys like the Golden Dawn eventually comes apart because. They they ordered the assassination of an anti-fascist rapper from Parliament and then had the guy killed. Yeah, yeah, just fucking bad shit. And those are the people who the Greek police are supporting. But Sarisa needs them because they need the police to smash the anti-austerity movement to stop people from like knocking off their governments and stopping the austerity. And they do it. It works eventually after years and years and years and years of just smashing these like smashing these protests with police. They're able to. You know they're they're able to stamp out the sort of the, the the giant social movements, and the consequence of this is that they turn over Greece to just a, like a bunch of just murderously far right anti immigrant shitheads who are the people who currently run Greece. They're unbelievable, like just unbelievably right wing. These guys are so right wing. They were trying to find ways to claim credit for uh, getting it, like getting those like several hundred people on that migrant ship earlier this year killed. Like yeah. that's. That's who currently runs Greece, and that's who Syriza like turned power over to because they literally did nothing and destroyed their own base. Yeah, it's probably worth like stopping to note here that like fear mongering around migrants 
has been the thing that has moved like straight up fascists into power in much of yeah. Southern Europe, right? Like Italy and Greece. And like, even if you're not a person who lives at the border, like this shit is absolutely like the playbook that, that far, the far right is using all over the world. And they're absolutely using here right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and we have an election year here and, and like you owe it to the world to correct that bullshit disinformation whenever you can. Now that we're talking about Greece, can we just briefly mention the Archer of Syntagma, the biggest Chad ever to walk the earth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh. I, I can't do I can't do an episode without this guy. If you are not familiar with uh, Yanis Mikeladis, uh, <laughs> it's, it's this absolute legend dude who took a bow and arrow to the protests, given a 13-year sentence and then escaped from prison. I think was <laughs> recaptured and then it went on hunger strike for a while. Just... Just a series of exploits that are truly legendary. Uh, incredible. See, they, they they replaced this with fucking uh, just uh, um, uh, being another party that imposed austerity. Yeah, like no no one's replaced that guy. He's still uh, he still remains true, true to the that's cause. That's true. But but as 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 a, they they they, they yeah. replaced the political movement that produced this guy yeah. with with like the, just just genuinely the greatest glowdown in human history. Just terrible stuff. Yeah, it's it's very sad. It could have been a wonderful thing. There are still like Greece has still a very strong and 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 uh, like a respectable anarchist movement. I'm trying to get over there to they squat large areas of of housing for migrants to like uh, allow yeah, migrants to live in it, and it's extremely based. And uh, I'm trying to go spend some time. Oh yeah, with I, them for, next I forgot to mention this. So they also do this in Spain, and so mm. I, I I've talked about this on the show before, but I should mention it here since we're doing this. Uh, so one of Podemos' like regional allies is Barcelona and Camus. First yep. thing that Barcelona and Camus did upon taking power was evict an immigrant squat because they knew it wouldn't have enough defenses to stop the police from evicting them. So fuck these people. Those people used to be anarchists. They're traitors. Fuck them. Yeah, and this happens constantly, right? Like the Senate entered into government in 1936 with the Spanish Socialist Party and got completely owned by, by Moscow in an extremely predictable fashion and all their friends got, in some cases, literally flayed alive. Perhaps consider not doing that now next time yeah so speaking of being flayed alive uh do you know do you know who else <laughs> uh, will flay you alive if you don't buy their buy their stuff is it the products and services that support this podcast it's again isn't it they're fucking they're all over that shit we can't say that can we just bleep it ian bean dad the dress 30 to 50 feral hogs if you knew what any of those were you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. 
Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jin, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. So, all right, we need to talk about two other places where this kind of stuff happened. We're, we're leaving Europe. We're going to go. We're going to go to briefly. We're going to go to the Anglophone world. No, a yeah. deeply cursed place. So yeah. in the U.S., uh, all of these same people gained power. Uh, their giant political project and their only real political project was attempting to elect Bernie Sanders. Uh, Bernie Sanders lost two consecutive elections, first to Hillary Clinton, the most unpopular Democratic presidential candidate in modern history, and then lost <laughs> a second election to Joe Biden, the man so senile he forgot what president he served as VP under. And I'm, I'm only mentioning <laughs> this it? because these are these these are the people who spend all of their time talking about how serious they are about taking power, and they got their ass kicked by, again... Hillary Clinton, the most unpopular candidate in the entire history of, like, the modern history of the Democratic yeah. Party, and... Joe fucking Biden, a man like I just I, okay. And instead, the one guy they did run and managed to actually like get into power was uh one John Fetterman. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, he's had some banging tweets, but he's been a complete fucking turd in his time in office. I'm I'm pissed about this because from the very beginning, I was like, this guy sucks ass. He's a Zionist. He's anti-immigrant. He's 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 he, he fucking sucks. he's anti-trousers. He, he opposes uh, anything below the knee. No one fucking believed me. This his campaign was run by a bunch of fucking DSA people, and instead they elected <laughs> yeah. John fucking Fetterman, who hates all, everyone who fucking worked with him, is just screaming like the same fascist anti-immigrant border. He's shit. also in the pocket of Big Egg. Uh, he, he's made. A, he's introduced a bill to not allow people to call vegan egg substitutes egg. What? He's not even in like the pocket of like good big egg. Like he's not in the pocket of like big people who haven't realized that they're trans yet. No, no, he's in the pocket of bad big yeah. egg. I think that's an act of solidarity. Like as a, as a man with a giant bald dome, he somewhat resembles an <laughs> egg. So he feels like communion with you other know, eggs. I think that's that what makes he says. Yeah. So, okay, that that's the US. At some point, we're going to do another episode about the all of the just fucking absolute dipshits that they elected in at the DSA elected in LA who've been doing like just sweeping homeless camps. So fuck them. But that's not, that's not today. Uh, we're, we're instead going to move to Corbin. So, all right. So the British <laughs> left in, in, in the beginning of, and I, I know it's like, this is like impossible to imagine now, yeah. but in, in the beginning of the 2010s, the Br Britain had a vibrant and expanding left. It had a bunch of street movements. They had the student protests. Yeah. They had a bunch of riots and all of that energy and all of those fucking people, you know, got got sucked up by Corbynism. And Corbyn lost an election to Boris fucking Johnson, <laughs> a man who was ousted by his own party and replaced by Liz shorter term than a cabbage truss. Like, you know, and all of these people, all these people, I've, I've had to talk to these people for fucking years and years and years. Right. And their whole thing was like, well, OK, like but the, the media rigged the election against us and the Labour Party was trying to sabotage us like, yeah, no shit. What the what the fuck did you expect was going to happen? Did you did you seriously think if if you even like just like remotely wanted to challenge capital at all? Did you seriously expect that the bourgeoisie were going to play by the rules? What the yes. fuck did you think was going to happen? Did you did you think they were just going to fucking sit there and let you take power because your ideas were somewhat popular? Like no, of course they fucking weren't. Of course they were going to sabotage you. And the whole fucking thing about the media, it's like, well, yeah, of course. You know, like, yeah, obviously, the media in, in Britain is run by the fucking Murdochs. It's, it, their press is in unbelievably insanely right-wing. Sure. However, comma, you guys are the ones who decided to pick an arena where your candidate and your entire political project can be sunk by negative press attention. You picked that arena to fight. And then, on top of that, you ran a completely conventional political campaign, right? Literally all you did was fucking canvas. You ran a completely conventional political campaign that everyone's fucking Pikachu facing that they had like one of the worst labor losses in modern history, right? Like, 
okay, what what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Right. And th- this is this is again, this is one of the reasons why electoralism doesn't work, because if, if you're in a field that is entirely about the popularity of one person. And there's an entire apparatus that is able that is better able than you to directly communicate to the entire population to tell them that that one person is fucking bad. Of course, you're going to fucking lose. Like, what 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 did you think was going to happen? And now, you know, the, the Labor Party is run by Keir Starmer, who is like the most right wing labor candidate since like Tony yeah. Blair. He prosecuted the people who were in the streets in 2010, right? Yeah. Like, like that, that yeah. is where we've got to now. It, it's like we, we have a choice between like Rishi, like send gunboats into the channel to sink, sink the small ship Sunak and, and, and the guy who wants to lock you up for, for taking a bottle of water from Boots in, in 2010. Like it, it's, yeah. it's not a choice. And that's and the, like the, the corporate left has been basically completely liquidated. The only thing that's left of it are these media organizations who are all tacking right as fast as they can possibly fucking move because that's where the fucking money is. And because, you know, Starmer actually used to be a Trotskyite and all of these people know that the way you actually if, if, if you are on the left and you want to take electoral power in Britain, the way you do it is become a conservative and it will work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, look, look at Tony Blair, right? He was extremely successful in like criminalizing being a teenager and these insanely right wing policies. Again, people aren't familiar with antisocial behavior orders in Britain. They should they should look them up. And like, oh my God, machines that make noise to keep young people out of public space. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a fully. Yeah, like the shit he was doing was insane. And uh, but if you ever continue to. Well, look, I. Britain's electoral system, if you think America's electoral system is fucked, check out First Past the Post. Like, fully insane. One of the areas I lived when I was a kid, like, you just didn't have an option. There was some, like, someone named Giles, or, or a similar kind of, like, Giles vibing name, or a, a token Lib Dem candidate, and, and, like, you know, Marmaduke was your only choice, really. Like, like, which is why I did not engage in the practice of voting in the United Kingdom. But, yeah, it, it is a fuck system. Yeah, and, and, and again, it's like, well, yeah, you, you chose a rigged system to participate in in the first place, and then just yeah. like, well, you lost. So, well, yeah, it was like, yes, you can complain that it was rigged against you, but you should have known that going in. If you were genuinely serious about taking power, you had to know that, and you fucking didn't. And now your entire country has been absolutely destroyed. So yeah. that that that's the UK, and we're going now, and so from there we're going to pivot to Latin America, where there is a very very long history. In fact, a lot the the, the Latin American parties we're going to be talking about mostly aren't even parties that took over from the momentum of 2011 revo- like like uprisings. They're from like the 2001 movement. Yeah. So people who hijacked like two generations back of social movements by this point. Yeah. And I think that the post 2011 stuff was inspired by the pink wave stuff in Latin America, right? Like oh, it yeah. sort of goes yeah. around in a circle. Yeah, so so now we're going to check in on how the pink tide's doing. The answer is absolutely dog shit. So we're going to go to Ecuador first. So, okay, Ecuador is right now a complete fucking disaster. It shouldn't be like this, though. In theory, Correa is like the is the guy and he's like the leftist guy in Ecuador. He's like he is their guy who came out of the pink tide. And in theory, his party should win, like, basically every Ecuadorian election from now to the end of time. They should, in theory, have the easiest job of, like, every, every, any electoralist we're talking about in this party. They have had, they had a decade in power to just completely destroy all of their political oppositions and, you know, to completely rebuild the economy and political landscape in a way that would have made the right-taking power impossible. Instead... His party is completely unelectable and have been out of power for eight fucking years after Lenin Moreno, who is the guy that they literally the handpicked guy that they picked to run their own party, uh, purged them all, tried to have Correa arrested and uh, spent the entire rest of his career being a right winger. Now, even after even after they got purged from their own party by the guy that they handpicked to put into power next after they turned out to be a right winger, even after that happened, they still should have been able to win, like, every fucking election. However, comma, Korea, instead of, like, doing normal leftist stuff, spent, like, his entire career sending riot police to beat the shit out of indigenous ecological protesters who didn't want their drinking water to be poisoned by mines, which means there are a huge number of, like, indigenous leftists who should be part of, like, the left-wing base, who will (laughs) not, under any circumstances, vote for Correa, even if he was running against literally the devil, because (laughs) he he fucking beat the shit out of them. Like, fuck you. (laughs) And, you know, at this point, I I I should briefly explain 
like okay I, this is this is obviously a very very simplified this is yeah it's a political i mean i'm going to do a political compass thing that's very simplified but i think gets across one of the major kind of like breaks in a lot of latin american countries that have real lefts and also whose economies are largely based on resource extraction which is that okay so you know you 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 have you have your kind of political compass like you would in the US you have a le- you have a left right axis but in a lot of these countries the up down axis isn't like statist anti statist the up down axis is on the one hand you have like developmental extractivists and on the other hand you have ecological anti extractivists so yeah. what what this means in in practice is there's this giant divide over whether or not you should do drilling on indigenous land. So, for example, you have the current right-wing Ecuadorian government, which is extractivist and right-wing. And this means they think you should drill on indigenous land and you should take all of the money you get from that and give it to rich people. There is, you know, Correa's government was extractivist and left-wing, which means that, you know, you, 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 do, you do all the mining on indigenous land, but then you take the money and you give it to a welfare state. And then opposed to him was a bunch of anti-extractivist indigenous ecological groups who want redistribution, but they don't want like they don't want people poisoning their water with mines. So they oppose Korea because they don't want their shit mined. And then there's also Korea is also opposed by these like liberal environmental NGOs who like don't want the Amazon destroyed, but also like poor people can go fuck themselves. And this this has made the, the 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 way the constellation of these things have have worked out means that like the, the what should be like a pretty normal left right political alignment thing has gone completely nuts. There's a bunch of like there's a bunch of sort of like ecological indigenous groups who have gone hard, who have like swung right because the right wingers are the only people who will support them against Korea. Meanwhile, the actual like indigenous electoral opposition in its various forms is a complete fucking disaster. Pachacutic, which is like the this is the like the big sort of like indigenous electoral alliance. They keep running this guy named Yaku Perez, who is like he's like the only person in the entirety of Ecuador who's more unelectable than Correa is. Like nobody <laughs> fucking yeah. even even the indigenous opposition to Correa like doesn't like him. So and and you know eventually Yaku Perez like left the party, but it doesn't really matter because they still just lose every single election. The the left is there is completely dysfunctional, and you know there, there's there's other like things going on here too, which is that like for example, Correa's like has an unbelievably hardline anti-abortion stance. Like he he threatened to resign if his party tried to pass legislation that would allow abortion in the case of rape. Like that's how anti-abortion Ooh. this guy is. Ooh. Fucking that's nuts. bad. This yeah, is like yeah. like okay, yes, this is this is this is a very very Catholic country, right? Sure. Even by that standards, that's fucking nuts. Like, yeah, that's Jesus bad. Christ. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's rough. You know. So, but and, and the the product of this is that a a a country that has a like a decently center left electoral like electorate in theory has produced three straight conservative governments. Uh, these governments have absolutely annihilated the Ecuadorian economy and the welfare state and left it prey to like to organize crime who you know unlike the just completely dysfunctional Ecuadorian state can at least provide like a semi-stable income but the downside of this is that they're organized crime so <laughs> you know not things going very badly i uh, you've probably seen some of the like absolutely wild videos of stuff of like people storming like like armed groups just like storming uh like tv stations they assass they, they've assassinated actually several presidential candidates now yeah so, that was uh it's been there on a wild one yeah it's it's really bad on christmas eve i was talking to a family from ecuador um who's had come to the u.s to get some medical treatment for their son who very manifestly needed help and they were telling me like just of their life experiences and like it was bad uh it, it was like I, i've been to some uh some places where violence is, is, happens and like the stuff that they were telling me was was shocking it's gotten really, really bad since uh, basically between 2015 and 2017. And it's just con- like progressively gotten worse as these right wing governments have stayed in power. And, you know, right now, right now, there there hasn't been an alternative to them because the electoralists who are, again, the people who are supposed to be serious about taking power are just a complete fucking disaster and can't do anything. Yeah. Correa can't literally can't go back to Ecuador now, right? 
I, I think he might be. I think he can go back now. There, there was a while where there was a warrant out for his arrest. I think yeah. he's back now. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the 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 ray of light for Ecuador is that Ecuador still has a lot of very like of of very militant street movements who have been winning. Who've actually been like winning concessions from governments when they go when they go into the streets. So that's good. Uh, inshallah, one day the electoralists get the fuck out of their way and yeah, they yeah. win. But hasn't happened yet. Things are really bleak. On that note, do you know what's not really bleak? The possibility of buying gold coins yeah. to insulate ourselves against inflation. Yep. You'd be stoked if you had a buck, buck ton of gold in Ecuador, wouldn't you? Uh, currency's gone to shit sitting on your pile of gold like scrooge mcduck you you'd be you'd be living the dream bean dad the dress 30 to 50 feral hogs if you knew what any of those were you spend too much time online and hey i do too 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was we'll it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back. So, all right, we're, we're going to take a couple of other I'm going to take a few other places that the electoral left has won in. Uh, Chavismo is dead as a doornail. Uh, Maduro's <sighs> slashing pensions, yes. dollarizing the economy. He's cutting a bunch of deals with American oil companies and has arrested the leadership of the Venezuelan Communist Party again. He keeps doing <laughs> this. Uh, so, yeah. you know, things things going great. Like, obviously not helped by the blockade, which is very bad. But like, you know, not great. Morena, which we're not going to talk an enormous at some point we're going to like actually do a thing like actually go talk to the zapatistas but things are not good there right now so the left in theory kind of has taken power in mexico 
Um, unfortunately, the moment they took power, they <laughs> yeah. immediately tacked right, handed control of vast swaths of the country over to the military, built a train through a bunch of indigenous land, and then gave that to the military. Yeah, switched a bunch of military commands around because they like claimed that the old guys were corrupt. Uh, yeah, yeah and, and you know, and th- one of the other the things that's been really bleak about it was that like the whole premise of AMLO like coming into power was like he ran in the campaign hugs not bullets right his whole thing was he was yeah. supposed to be ending the war on drugs did he end the war on drugs absolutely not gave shit <laughs> yeah. ton of power to the military people still getting fucking slaughtered yeah I don't know I, I definitely saw a bunch of dudes in ski masks with a 50 cal ch- chilling uh, just the other side of the border uh, yeah sent, sent by the government <laughs> two days ago yeah. And, 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 and instead of doing that, he's also been like continuing the like escalating the war against the Zapatistas who've been getting just like people getting fucking murdered by a bunch of these government backed paramilitaries. Uh, it's really fucking bleak out there right now. Yeah, so that that that's been that's been the legacy of AMLO finally winning a Mexican election is the most right wing possible AMLO government. Like, yeah. I, I will say they're better on trans stuff than everyone like the other parties who are all completely nuts. But that's about the only bright spot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like they were in bilateral negotiations with the U.S. and like when the U.S. clicked its fingers and said shut down these gaps in the border, they uh, sent a bunch yeah. of national guard soldiers to sit right at the gaps in the border wall. Yeah. They've been they've been doing a bunch of just like horrific anti-border shit. Um, yeah. Amla was also just like pretty friendly with Trump. Which yeah, there was a populist thing there. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. fucking sucks. Uh, and so we're going to close on the MAS. Oh, boy. So there's been a bunch of stuff happening in Bolivia that I, I, I don't. I, I don't think most Americans have heard much about. So the MAS movement, movement for socialism, uh, there's some other shit. But yeah, uh, they are. Yeah. Well, OK, so for most of the time they've existed, it's been evil Morales's party. However, comma, it was always kind of a weird coalition because the MAS is is this coalition between like the social movements and and, in in this context, like people say social movements, this includes like, you know, like giant like movement groups, but also like unions and stuff. So it was a coalition of these unions and these like developmentalist capitalists who were welded together by Evo Morales and some of his allies. And, you know, the sort of common ground of forging a, like, quote-unquote, indigenous plurinational state that's based on, like, based on forging a welfare state based on, like, mining and extractive stuff and, like, oil drilling and stuff. And also based on the emergence of this new sort of indigenous middle class. Right now, it has split in two between an Evo Morales faction and who was the former president was president for a very, very long time. And Luis Acre, who was the, who was the current president of Bolivia, but has been kicked out of the MAS by Evo and his <laughs> faction. So this is a disaster. They, both of them, both Acre and Evo Morales have these, they have a lot of personal alliances within the social movements. And this means that it's been a very, very messy split. And, and, and you know, and this is not, Okay, if you look at these two people, you would expect it to be an ideological split because Acre's from like the developmentalist right of the party. Like he was he was a banker. He's been in charge of the uh, Bolivian Central Bank for a long time. He was like finance minister. So he's from like the center right, like developmentalist faction of the party. Evo, technically speaking, has been the representative of like the 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 sort of like the social movement faction of the party. Uh, he has a lot of allies in a lot of coca growers unions, stuff like that. But it hasn't broken like that because this isn't an ideological fight. This is just these two guys both want to be presidents. And so they've, they've literally torn the entire Bolivian left in two over, over this fucking bullshit. Yeah. Never before happened on the left. Two dudes wanting to be in charge. Yeah. And, and, and this is, this has been really, really messy and, and it's not breaking down the way it's not breaking cleanly politically down because there's a lot of like people from the anti-extractivist left of the party who are pissed off at the way that Evo has like personally tried to seize control of what are supposed to be independent social movements. And I know people hear that and are like, wait, what's, what's the problem with like social movements being integrated with the state? Because like, we don't, the U S doesn't have social movements, like not, not in the way that like that Latin America has them. 
Like yeah. BLM is the closest thing that we have to that. But imagine if like BLM was like an actual leftist group, like the actual like organization Black Lives Matter. Was, yeah, like, like capital a leftist BLM. Yeah, like, yeah, it was like was like was like a leftist group that would like lead protests and strikes and shit. Like we we don't have that. That's that's like not a thing here. And so mostly when when people hear about the stuff, they're like, wait, what what does that mean? Like why why are we complaining that the like these that social movements are being like folded into the state or like folded into this bureaucratic apparatus. So I'm going to run through an example of what that looks like in practice. So we're going to, we're going to talk about the briefly talk about the Confederation of indigenous peoples of, of Bolivia. Oh, so yeah. It, based. Yeah. So we talk about the, we follow flag. I, I didn't have anything in there on it. It is very funny. G- given, given what yeah. we're about to talk about it is very funny that all of the pro MAS people in 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 the US had that as their flag as like their had that flag as their profile picture when this coup was going on. It's one of the cooler flags out there. It it, it rips. It does rip. So so yeah. back in 2011, this is like this is like 8 years before the coup. Um the Conf- the Confederation of Indigenous People of Bolivia opposed building this road through protected indigenous territory that the government was trying to force through. So they opposed it. Their opposition didn't do anything. They, you know, they joined in this enormous protest movement against this road construction. Um, Evo and his supporters had the Confederation's offices stormed by riot police and tried to replace his leadership with loyalists. This failed initially. And the, you know, so the, the, the Confederation of Indigenous Peoples of Bolivia had been part of the like of the MAS's like formal alliance. Right. And after that, they were like, fuck you, man, we're out. Uh, they left and then the confederation split between the groups who were pro Evo and, and everyone else so another faction of the confederation split from the regular confederation and went back and joined and calling themselves the same thing and went back and joined the MAS again so like this is a shit show right and a lot of it is like you know it, it's it's it, it comes down to these sort of like loyalty testings like are you willing to back every single thing that Evo wants to do and if you're not like they're going they're, they're faction and this is the thing that like this happens in the fucking DSA all the time, right? Like everyone in the DSA is constantly trying to purge every other faction and install their loyalists, like in charge of whatever fucking working group, right? But you know, th- this is happening in a place where the left actually has power, which means that yeah. instead of like, you know, a series of weird elections and like purging people from positions, you're storming their offices with riot police. Yeah, this is why a lot of sort of groups who you would expect to be backing evil aren't and are backing Acre instead. But really, truly, this is just two guys having a dick waving contest. Uh, <laughs> this is what happens when you do electoralism. Um, yeah. And, and but you know, it's also worth mentioning the reason we're in this situation in the first place is that Evo refused to just like in 2019 refused to just let someone else from his party run. Like if literally anyone else had run, the MAS would have just trivially easily won the election. There wouldn't have been a coup. There wouldn't have yeah. even been the potential to do one. But he refused because he wants to personally be in power. And this is what allows the 2019 coup to happen. And the second the second reason that we're here now is that in 2021, and I don't think I don't think most American leftists like know about this. I think people know about the coup. I don't think people know about the stuff that happened in 2021, which is that there was this massive series of there was this massive series of of like barricades that went up to bring down the coup government. So this is the thing that happens periodically in Bolivia. This is like this is how the social movements took power in the first place is that they, you know, Bolivia, because of the way the terrain works, very, very mountainous country, very narrow roads, not many roads into a place. You could just block all of the roads that go into the yeah. capital and you can just you can shut yeah. down the entire country's economy by just doing these roadblocks. They very nearly this is actually like, again, the origin of the MAS is that they very nearly like completely destroyed the Bolivian government with this in 2006. Um, and then Evo pulled his people off the barricades and was like, no, we're going to do an election. He easily wins the election because he's, you know, he's doing the thing we've been talking about this whole episode, which is harnessing the power of of these social movements yeah. in order to get elected. And it works like he becomes president. But in 2000, you know, in, in 2021, it happens again. And these groups are getting very close. They, 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 they've, they've done enough damage that they forced the coup government to like actually have elections, which they didn't want to have. But. They're on the verge of like actually knocking the government out of power. And Evo once again pulls all of his people off the barricades because he doesn't want the barricades to like disrupt his chance of winning the election. And so yeah. instead of like Great. bringing down this government and like ushering in like sweeping like left wing reforms, whatever, on like the back of a revolutionary seizure of power, we have the MAS split 
between two dipshits and yeah these are these are very very serious about taking power you can tell this because they've split the party over personal bullshit yeah every time right like leaderism is the curse of the left and it, it uh it, yeah it, it stops us doing things because it's always just dudes chest something at each other yeah and and and, and this is the second part about it is that this is it's this is a product of leaving the streets and we're going to close on yeah. chile we, we did a very optimistic episode on the protests in chile a couple of years ago because it looked like they were actually winning that's not true anymore after the the the, the whole okay so chile in 2019 has these massive massive street protests um they they successfully forced the government to call a constitutional convention to like replace their Pinochet constitution, but that got everyone off the streets. And because it got everyone off the streets, uh, both successive attempts to have a constitution have failed. It's deeply unclear what the fuck's had happened with the constitution. It's possible they're going to end up with a constitution that is even more right wing than the current one because they've blown literally their moment of opportunity by pulling everyone out of the streets. And now the rights resurgence is a complete fiasco. Yeah, the, the repression of indigenous people has continued unabated under the new quote-unquote left-wing government. So, yeah, it's it's a complete fiasco. And that that is today's lesson, which is if anyone when, – when, when people tell you that they are the ones who are serious about taking a wielding power and they want you to go vote for them, we have – they have failed everywhere for a decade. Do not let them do this to you again. Don't leave the streets. Yeah, instead, don't leave the streets. Don't give someone else fucking power. Take it for yourself. That's that, that that that's that's all I've got. Yeah, no, that's a good place to end. I think. Yeah, don't uh, yeah. don't infantilize yourself by electing some Instagram prick to make decisions for you. It could happen here as a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, CoolZoneMedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them and what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.